Hi, it's great to be with you again as we progress through our series, Life-Changing Lessons from the Parables. And today we are looking at a parable, one recorded in Matthew chapter 20 about workers in the vineyard. Uh, but we're also at a particular special moment in our church calendar for the year, what's called Vocation Sunday. So it's a day when we think about what we're called to as God's people. So I'm going to try and weave those two things together. But before I do, um, I wonder if you've seen a movie that I love. Many of us have seen it and maybe more than once. It's called Saving Private Ryan and it stars Tom Hanks and Matt Damon. And the story of the movie um, follows the rescue of an army private Private Ryan in the Second World War. He's fighting in a battle in Europe and unbeknownst to him, uh, he has several brothers, I think it was three brothers, they've all been killed in battle. And back in America, uh, I think that the, the that all the telegrams that went to families to let them know that a son had or a son or daughter had been killed in, in battle uh, were signed notionally by the president. And it comes to the president president's attention that this particular family have lost three sons already and that there is one uh, still serving in Europe during the war. And the president is determined that this poor family will not get yet another telegram signed by him that says, I regret to inform you that your child has been killed in battle. So the president arranges a team, which is led by this commander played by Tom Hanks, to go and find Private Ryan and make sure that he is returned safely to his family. Now, in the saving of Private Ryan, who's uh, on, in a, about to be engaged in a very significant battle in the war, um, in the saving of Private Ryan, a number of lives are lost, including the life of the commander, played by Tom Hanks, who sacrifices his life that Private Ryan might be saved. And in a very moving final part of the film, uh, the commander says to Private Ryan, with his, with his dying breath, he says, make it worth it, you know, make your life worth the sacrifice of myself and all these people. And so Private Ryan goes on um, to try and live a life that is cognizant of the fact that his life um, was rescued at such great cost. Well, you know, as God's people, we can you know, that resonates with us because we know that the new life that we have, the life that we live, um, has come at a great cost. It, it's come through a great sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Most of us, we have a plan for our lives. Um, sometimes we might be ambitiously pursuing our career or, you know, sometimes we might just be puddling along um, letting life carry us, or we may even be enjoying our retirement. But we have this sense that always for us there is there is this bigger calling upon our lives because of what God has done for us, because of God's generous sacrifice um, for us. Like Private Ryan, um, who from that day forward tried to live a life which was cognizant of the generosity of God, to, uh, generosity of others to him. So we Christians all try to live a life which is an expression of gratitude to what we know it cost God to give us this great new life, this great new hope, this great new future. So today on Vocation Sunday, 
um, it's good for us to pause and to think about this life that God has given us and, and what we're using it for, what we feel called by God to do with all our time and talent and treasure. Uh, perhaps, actually, even though we're in this awful time of pandemic, we have a God who always brings good out of even the worst situations. And perhaps one of the good things that God can bring out of this situation for us at the moment is it's like we've all hit that pause button in our lives as we experience lockdown. And it's a natural time for us to think about questions like coming through the other side of this crisis. What are we going to do with our lives? How, how do we want our lives uh, to be different? I want to propose that we each ask ourselves a couple of questions. Is my life and my life's work, is it honouring to the great sacrifice by which I enjoy this great life? And is my life and my life's work, what I'm doing with my life, is it making a contribution to God's great plan for this world and for his kingdom to come? Since the days of Noah and Abraham, God's people have recognised that God does call us um, to actually very individual uh, vocations, things to, to spend our lives on achieving. Uh, he calls us to lives that embody and fulfil our creation in his image. He calls us to lives and work that proclaim his glory and his good ways and that show love to others. He calls us to lives that make a contribution to his plans for the world that are part of a fulfilment to that prayer that he taught us to pray. Um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Bible gives us many examples of very different people um, discerning their unique individual calling that God has for their lives, sometimes quite reluctantly so. I mean, Abraham, quite reluctant initially. God calls him to well, completely leave, leave where he's living and to go out and actually forge a new nation under God. Um, or then there is David, short, shy, youngest shepherd brother David. No one considered him to be leadership material and yet God was calling him to be king over Israel. Or then there's Esther desperately trying just to survive in a world and time that was hostile to her religion and dismissive of her gender and yet God places a burden on her heart and calls her to save her people. Or then there is Isaiah, so conscious of his sin that he doesn't see himself as um, appropriate to be called as a prophet. Or the impetuous Peter and the other disciples who were fishermen and the like that Jesus called to a, you know, a radical turn in life to be his disciples and his apostles. Or Mary. And Jesus has called upon her to really swim against the cultural tide of her time and to be the first witness to his glorious resurrection. All different people, different personalities, different times, yet something in common for each of them, that they were called by God to do something intentional with their lives um, that fitted into God's great plans for the world um, and that were a response to his generosity to them. You know, there are jobs we have 
and there are careers we pursue and there are seasons of life that we go through. But when we say we're called to something, when we use that word vocation, we're talking about something bigger than just a job or a career or a season. We're talking about something beyond ourselves and beyond us just using our gifts and our strengths and our resources to have a good life, but rather to be involved in something greater and to be wanting to burn all of our energy to achieve that thing that we're committed to, that we feel called to be and to do, to serve a greater purpose, to serve more people than simply ourselves. So for God's people, there's always this bigger purpose, a bigger agenda, a bigger canvas upon which to live our lives, a bigger sense of optimism about giving ourselves to greater good things and to greater work. For some of us, our jobs and our careers can turn into vocation. So we might start off um, in our career as a teacher or as a nurse and we don't know what the future holds. We don't know whether we're going to stick with it or not. But as we progress, we find that we actually love our work, that we love the difference that we see it making in people's lives, that we love that we can actually make a contribution in this way. And so we find ourselves giving it more time, not counting the cost, the hours and so on, not counting the sacrifices involved because we're caught up in a sense of calling to what we do. We're seeing what we do as our vocation. So we give ourselves to it fully um, and we're able through it to express those gifts that the spirit, the fruit of the spirit in our lives, kindness and joy and compassion and love and service. We're able to um, do all of those things through our work and that turns it into a magnificent vocation. Some people seem really clear on their calling, what they ought to do with their lives. They seem to be very clear at a very young age. Uh, but many of us, frankly, discern it as we're traveling through life or as perhaps we feel we're coming to the end of one season of a particular kind of work and we're thinking about what we want to move on to. Maybe we come to it later in life because of a conversion experience or simply a deeper understanding of God, God's goodness, God's ways, God's plan um, and the ways in which we can contribute to that, the ways in which we can help with the needs of the world. I want to share with you a couple of stories. Um, I've changed up the details a little bit, but they're stories about real people who've been in some of the churches that I've ministered in. So the first one is Joseph, and he's 50, and he runs a small business. Um, it's a shop front, and he sells things to people. But he's not just running his business. Um, his faith sees him taking time with every customer. And in fact, he what he wants every customer to experience most of all is kindness. And every week he comes to church and he's got some amazing story of a great conversation that he's had with one of his customers, often about Jesus. And, and I think that those, those opportunities are coming his way quite naturally because of his kindness. His kindness is disarming and it leads to these wonderful conversations. Or there's Denise. She's a GP. Um, she has her own medical practice. And it's a medical practice where the staff pray for all of the patients. And if they ever have the opportunity, they pray with their patients. She and her husband give up two weeks of their leave annually 
to go and offer free medical care in a developing country that's not far from their own. She's actually wondering how she can even better use all that God's given her, the gifts and her abilities, what she can develop further. And so she's been studying a Bachelor of Ministry through online, through a local theological college. She's two-thirds of the way through this Bachelor, and I'm excited to think what might lie ahead for her. Or we can, you know, we can look back in history too. So there was a prominent Anglican um, he was 56 years old. He was a prominent lawyer in Victoria. He was, he was a prominent Anglican too, and he was a member of his synod. And his name was William Stall. He is the fellow who the town of Stall is named after. And here he is at the age of 56, and God lays upon his heart a burden for the cruelty to animals that he sees in his day. And so he founded the RSPCA in 1871 on the 4th of July. What a remarkable um, legacy he left in the RSPCA in Victoria. Or back to the present, there's David. Uh, he came to faith at the age of 23 and God had gave him this great curiosity um, in, about his word. And so he takes himself off to theological college. And as his um, deepening love for God's word grows. You know, at the end of his degree, he offers himself for ordained ministry because he can't imagine anything better than being able to preach and teach God's people God's word and to help them to grow in faith. Or there's Jenny. Jenny retired from a long career in nursing, but she still wanted to do something great and her church needed a manager for their op shop and so for 12 years she has tirelessly been giving of herself and leading a merry band of volunteers that it is estimated has helped thousands of people in her community over the years. Each of these people seem to have been able to discern a great calling. Each of them must have asked themselves at some point um, what is my calling? What am I called to do with all of my gifts, with, with all of this great life that God has generously given to me? What am I called to use it for? Where can I make a great contribution uh, to God's world and to others? These are important questions for us to reflect on this Vocation Sunday. Well, now I want to move on to us considering the parable that we find in Matthew chapter twenty. Well, in the parable that we find in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16, we've got an intriguing story which seems to actually have great relevance for us as we think about vocation and jobs and rewards. It's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. It's um, a bit of a frustrating parable at first because we read it and it just seems to be about a really unfair situation. I mean, I read it and I think it's unjust. Um, let me explain why. So let us put our let us put put ourselves into the parable for a moment. I want you to imagine that um, it's the sun is just coming up, and uh, you really need to earn some money for your family. So you take yourself off to this large vineyard, where each day the vineyard owner chooses some labourers for his vineyard. So it's dawn, but you go down to that vineyard and you present yourself um, as a labourer and. Uh, the, the vineyard owner selects you and others to go and work in his vineyard for the day. So that's great. You've got work. You're going to be able to take some money home to your family. During the day, the vineyard owner sends more and more workers into the vineyard. 
So at nine o'clock, there's a whole new group um, that he sends in. And then at 12 o'clock, there's another group. And then even at five o'clock, when the working day is almost ended, he sends another group of workers into the vineyard. Well, when the working day is finished and you have spent the day laboring in that vineyard under a hot and burning sun, you are tired, you are thirsty, you are exhausted and you can't wait to collect your pay and to take it home to your family. And you go right up to the front of the queue because, um, you know, you've been, you were there since dawn after all. And then the, the vineyard owner, um, he comes and he says to his foreman, who's about to pay everyone, he says to his foreman, I want you to go to the back of the queue and I want you to pay, first of all, the people who came last, the ones who've only been here perhaps for an hour. Pay them first and then pay everyone. And I want you to pay everyone the same amount of pay. I, I don't care if they've been here for an hour or if they've been here for 12 hours. I want you to pay them all the same amount. Well, this seems outrageous. It seems unfair. It seems unjust. You know, if they introduce this policy down at Coles or Woolies, can you imagine it at the supermarket um, when the checkout person says, okay, you at the end of the queue, I'm going to serve you first. <laughs> They'd better be, it's, it's just seems so unjust. Um, in fact, I'm a little reminded actually of um, the, the, the case of the, the JobKeeper scheme and the criticism that some people have levelled at that, you know, where they've said it just isn't fair that everyone gets the same amount, whether they've, they've been a professional for 30 years or they've just had a short-term casual job at the right time um, and, and, you know, everyone's been paid the same amount, everyone's got the same waiting period, which is zero, and, and everyone... Um, you know, some people are earning, actually, they're getting more on JobKeeper than they were when they were actually working. It seems so unfair. But it seems so unfair, that story as well as that little one about JobKeeper, they seem unfair when we see it through the lens of ourselves, which we do see things, most things through in life. But a second way of looking at this parable, this story that Jesus told, is through the lens of the generosity and goodness of the vineyard owner. An American commentator, Mark Buchanan, suggests this. He says, maybe it's not a story about us. Maybe it's a story about the vineyard owner, who, of course, represents God in the story. He goes on to suggest this story is not about our rights. It's about God's rights. And that makes sense when you read verse 15 where the vineyard owner says, don't I have the right to do what I want to with my money? And in verse 16 uh, where the same vineyard owner says, are, are you upset because I'm so generous? <laughs> Our God is a generous God. And Mark Buchanan goes on to point out that the word for generous, agathos, in the New Testament, it's usually, in fact, I think he says everywhere else, it's translated as good. But here, because of context, they've translated it as generous. But maybe because of the word generous, that's why we're thrown as we try to understand this parable, because generosity in our lives is actually usually linked to reward. So for example, we we um, we catch a taxi and the bill at the end of the taxi ride is $35, but we generously give the driver 40 Or our employers um, owe us four weeks annual leave. 
but they generously add a long weekend to that. In each case, um, generous just meant adding a bit to what was already owed. But when we think about God, oh, God is generous beyond our imaginings. God has given us new life. God has written off all of our debt. Uh, God is gracious and kind. We are broken sinners in the hands of a generous and good God. He doesn't owe us. He is incredibly life-changingly good to us. Perhaps that's what we should interpret this parable to be about, about the goodness and generosity of the vineyard owner who is God. Perhaps on Vocation Sunday also, this parable, because everyone is paid the same amount, regardless of um, who they are or how long they worked for and so on, perhaps this parable also makes us reevaluate our ideas about um, the importance of hierarchy and status and pay. Uh, the important thing is not to get the highest status or to earn the most amount, but rather to serve in the best way that we can with the time that we have and the gifts and skills that we've had, to serve in a way that is most appropriate for our situation, our resources, our stage, our season, and our burden to be um, our, for our lives to be an expression of gratitude and, and to actually be helpful um, to, to others. Which brings us back to Vocation Sunday. So I want to ask you, do you have a plan for your life and your life's work which is an appropriate response to God's generosity to you? And do you have a plan for your life and your life's work which makes a contribution to God's great good plans for the world? Is God laying on your heart today a greater purpose for you to commit to, a greater, a greater desire than simply having a good life and giving your family a good life? Do the resources which are at your disposal, whether that's time or money or experience, lead you to want to leverage them for something you could truly call fulfilling a higher calling? Is God making you dissatisfied with where your life and your life's work is at right now? Because that dissatisfaction is sometimes, it's like, it's like the pearl um, that he's producing in us, uh, that our lives might, you know, serve a higher purpose, respond to a greater calling. Well, these thoughts swim against the stream. It can even seem unfair of God. How can God expect us to want to do more than simply live a good life for ourselves and our families? Why should I be concerned beyond just myself and my little tribe? Because we've been given life, a new life and a glorious future at a cost. And because we are God's people in this time and place, and because his kingdom is coming, bringing light and life and healing to our world, and we are called to be part of that, because we pray each week, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. Now, you might be confronted with these questions as a young person. You might be seven or 17 or 70. You may be coming at these questions just when you're kind of like ripe for a fresh season in your life, maybe a fresh season of work, a changed uh, season of work, or 
for some gloriously busy retirement which swims against the cultural stream. Your plan that develops out of you engaging with God about these questions, your plan might see you present yourself for ordained ministry in God's church or in the everyday ministries of the church or in living out your godly vocation as a professional, a business uh, a business person or the world's most reliable tradie. In each of these contexts, you can make a difference. You can be a worker in God's vineyard. You can bring light. Uh, you can bring great things to other people's lives. Whether that's preaching from a pulpit or praying for a patient or um, whether it's changing the world through starting an association committed to the betterment of people or to animals or to the environment. You may help Christ's church be a pillar in your community through serving in some fresh way. And it will be a sacrifice, but let it be a sacrifice of praise to a great and generous God, not a bitter sacrifice. Each of us who respond to God's calling will change the world, will be an answer to that prayer. Where, you know, one small life at a time, we're going to make a change to this world, whether it's a, as the priest of a small country parish for 20 years, or whether it's as one serving as a doctor on the front lines of COVID-19, whether it's as an industry professional or a professional prayer warrior in our old age. One life at a time, we get to change the world for God. The important thing, as we reflect on this parable, is to keep our eyes on the goodness and generosity of God, his grace to us in Christ Jesus, and to try to discern where the talents and skills that we've got or can develop and the spirit of God that is at work in us come together to meet the needs of God's vineyard, the world, and God's church and their journey to flourishing. Maybe that means staying where we are, but maybe it means taking a big 180-degree turn. Maybe it, can see, maybe it means considering a whole new pathway, a new vocation, a whole new avenue of service. So may you go forth and consider your vocation, your calling. Spend time in prayer Spend time in God's word. Let your gifts and concerns and God's world come together in a beautiful plan, in a beautiful calling, whatever stage you're at. May our generous God be glorified. Thanks for listening.